Welcome to Shi'ar Jashub, a Bible study program brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. We praise the Lord that you will be able to join us for the next quarter of an hour as we go through the scriptures together. So have your Bibles ready. My name is Patty Scalzo, and today my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, and I will be continuing the Heavenly Authority series as we minister from the book of Genesis. At the end of the program, I will be giving you an address where you can write to us and an invitation to join us for Sunday worship. So have a paper and pen at hand. But for now, let's go right into the study. In our last program, we reviewed the idyllic conditions under which Adam was created, including the fellowship he was able to enjoy with all the various types of animals. But even with the whole world in Adam's care, still the man was alone, because no animal, even in this beautiful initial state of relationship with humans, could fill the person-to-person -person friendship needs of man who was made in God's image. As it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God had said in verse 18, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And so God formed Eve from Adam's rib, the bone close to the heart. Eve was exactly like Adam, a person made in the very image of God, pure gold in the Lord's sight, as it is written in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Only with a spiritual, physical being equal to himself and capable of faith, hope, and love could Adam have true friendship. Adam and Eve were to be a special team. We read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So from the scripture we see that the two were to be as one. It was Adam's commission to have the fascinating and enjoyable work, not the hard labor we know today, of caring for the garden and the world God provided. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And it was clearly to Adam that the direct authority and corresponding responsibilities were given. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. But it was Eve's commission to help him. And as he ruled the earth, so they ruled the earth. As we read again in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, now to verse 28, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now our listeners should understand that a true helper is not subservient or less worthy than the one helped. Think about it. 
If you rely on and depend on someone for counsel and support, though you might be the ultimate decision maker, that person needs to be at least as competent as you. And that person is truly of great worth. Otherwise, what type of help would you receive? And notice, this was not to be a situation where Adam ruled over Eve. Rather, Eve helped Adam rule. That's totally different. And this brings us to the next important principle in our authority series. Mankind's sinful nature always seems to distort the meaning of authority. We feel that if someone is in a position of authority, that they are worthier. But to God, in the sense we are speaking, authority does not equal worth. Authority does not equal value in His sight. Just because someone is in a position of authority doesn't mean that they are any more valuable or special or privileged. Man's perspective only causes those in authority to have pride and arrogance, and those under authority to feel useless and used. And so no one accomplishes what the team needs to accomplish in God's sight. But in God's view, all are of great value, so much so that he sent his son to die for the sins of each. The widow is just as worthy as the prophet Elijah, and indeed Elijah cannot stand without the widow. And throughout the Bible we even have the stories of those in authority who are less deserving from the standpoint of holiness than those under authority. King Saul over David, Eli over Samuel, John baptizing Jesus, the priests and Sanhedrin sitting in judgment over the disciples of Jesus in the book of Acts. So to God, authority, at least authority given in this world, does not equal value nor necessarily worth in His sight. Every soul is valuable and precious to God, and God has a special plan and purpose for each. Now, there are principles connecting authority under the kingdom of God with faithfulness and service, which Lord willing will study in future programs. But for now, it's important to understand that Jesus taught His disciples, who He was sending out with great authority, not to hold themselves as worthy or to lord it over others, but rather to have a servant mentality. He taught them in Matthew chapter 23, verses 11 to 12. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So Adam and Eve both had great responsibilities. Both had powers and authority as a godly team with the world and all its beautiful, varied, and uncorrupted creatures at their command to build a glorious future to care for God's earth. But this task of peace and communion could only be accomplished as they were submissive to God's ultimate authority. They were in fellowship with God in a way most cannot understand today. God walked with them in the garden in the breeze of the day. And it was only in this fellowship with God, submissive to His will, that it could all work. And God commanded Adam in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 to 17, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now in Genesis chapter 3, Satan gets into the act. Starting at verse 1, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, 
but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Another symbolic name for Satan in the scriptures is the Leviathan, which probably is from the Hebrew root word meaning to twist. And Satan successfully proceeds to twist man's whole perception of responsibility and authority, and he has done so ever since. Before we begin to look at this event, let me point out the sin attitude in the human heart that allows the devil this opportunity. And it's this. Man does not accept the responsibility and authority God has planned for him and freely given him, often viewing it as, instead as a burden. But man does avariciously desire that authority which God has not ordained for him or which belongs only to God. And the end result of this attitude is this. Since man does not, in freedom, submit to God, our only master, in rebellion we find ourselves mastered by every demon, devil, man, and woman, and even the creation itself, no better than slaves sold into bondage. They follow everyone but God. Here's what happened. Adam and Eve were supposed to rule over the animals. Instead, Eve relinquished her authority by letting a Satan-possessed serpent direct and rule her. Eve was supposed to help, that is, assist, advise, and aid Adam in ruling the earth. Instead, Eve pulled Adam down, and he lost his dominion. The motivation was to be like God, to have his knowledge and power and position. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. She didn't help him, and he didn't assume leadership. Instead, he just followed right along. Remember, God had given the commandment to Adam, and we will read that it was because of Adam's transgression that nature fell under a curse. He was given the command. He had the responsibility and leadership, and so his actions caused the penalty. As Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Both Adam and Eve wound up not only listening to the animal, but addicted by the sight and aspirations of a piece of fruit. As someone has said, they were ruled by vegetation. When God reigns over us, we reign. For God does all things for our good. But when we, like Adam and Eve, reject that rule and seek to establish our own place, we give up the very basis of our authority. The end result for them was to be ruled by the devil and their own flesh and desires, poor, pitiful, and shameful nakedness, seeing now how helpless they were without him who made it all work. It all became twisted. Praise the Lord for his excellent and most holy word. We are so thankful that you could join us for the program today, and we look forward to bringing you more of these enriching Bible study programs in the future. In the next broadcast of Shia Jashub, we will look closer at this loss of paradise and the loss of authority for mankind. 
and we will see how the twisted ways can again be made straight, and we will move on in our series to examine the reasons for the flood of Noah's day. So if you know of anyone who would enjoy these in-depth Bible studies, please let them know about the program. We here at Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle love to receive our listeners' words of encouragement. So if you want to write to us, or if you feel led of the Lord to help support the church outreach of Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, please send all correspondence and donations to Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle. That's S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B Post Office Box 518 Branford, Connecticut 06405 Once again, that's Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle Post Office Box 518 Branford, Connecticut 06405 And please include the air date of the program and the call letters of the radio station. Also, if you are going to be in the Madison, Connecticut area, we would like to invite you to join us for Sunday service. Services include praise, worship, Bible study, and the Lord's Supper. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. We are in the yellow brick and white building. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shi'ar Jashub, which in Hebrew means, A remnant shall return. And until then, may our Lord Jesus richly bless you as you serve Him.